renewed, you just gotta have faith. Mm, you just gotta have faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe at home you've said amen. So here the people recording, hallelujah. Amen. amen. The Lord is making a way. That is a powerful song. It is prophesying about our tomorrow that God is actually in the business of making a way out of the situation we are in. So glad to uh, be here today and share with you uh, today right in your living room or wherever you are in your car. But I believe if you're watching, you shouldn't be driving, maybe if you're parked. So may God bless you this morning. For first-time visitors or people who have joined us for the first time uh, online, we have been uh, in the book of Hebrews. And we have gone so far. Uh, we are in chapter 12. So I want you to be feel welcome uh, this morning. Uh, take your Bible, if you have it around you, and please let us uh, start from now. So we are almost coming to the end of the study, but it has been a powerful, uh, power-packed uh, study of the book of Hebrews. For me personally, there are two books in the Bible that really stand out for me, and they form the basis for what I believe in. One of those books is Hebrews. And the other one is Romans. So the two of those books actually speak about the doctrines we believe in as believers. The reason and how we came uh, to be in Christ and what we have received in Christ. Amazing, amazing book. So if you have not uh, gotten time to study through, so please go through Hebrews and get time also to go through the book of Romans. So first things first, the book as we have learned already, uh, but for those who have joined us, uh, today is addressed to Hebrew believers who are in danger of losing their faith because of the afflictions they are facing at the time the book was being written. Now the book serves two purposes. Uh, it is twofold. First purpose is to exalt Christ who is superior, uh, superior to angels, superior to prophets, and his priesthood superior to the Levitical priesthood of Aaron. But the second purpose of the book also is to remind the believer of their responsibility in pursuance to the finished work of Christ. Now, if you have a pain with you, I'm one more person who believes that books never forget. We get to forget quickly. So if you're going write, to be writing notes, please take your pen, uh, take your notebook and your Bible, and uh, let them be ready uh, for us uh, today. So if you're writing, the title is Faith in Action. We've talked about faith right from uh, chapter 11. Uh, last week we talked about faith that endures. Uh, faith that endures. So we have talked about faith. Uh, but today we are talking of faith in action. In other words, what is the behavior of faith? Hmm. What is the behavior of faith? Now I've been in uh, a Christian for close to 23, 24 years now. But one thing I know is that when we talk about grace, there is a lot of confusion uh, out there. I have been one of those people who knew, now I have license to behave the way I want to behave. But that's not the case. Actually, when you look at the book of Hebrews, when you look through the Bible, there are a number of things that stand out. Number one is that faith has certain attitudes. 
And we are going to look at those attitudes today. We've already laid in place the twofold uh, ministry of this book unto us, exalting Christ, but also exalting the believer. Now, these two elements are what every person who has used this altar has laid down. Today, I'm going to employ two disciplines to communicate my message. The first one is tightrope walking, and second one is boxing. So, engage me. Why and how is Christ superior? That's a very important question. Now, I know we've heard, we've read the book, we've gone through it now, we are coming to a close, but it's very important to look back and see why and how is Christ superior. Hebrews 1 verse 1 to 4 lays it out so clearly that Christ is superior because he is the son of God. Amen? Now, we know there are many things you can believe about anything. Some of us are tenants. But you know when the caretaker speaks something, sometimes you don't take it so serious. But when the son to the owner comes and says something, you actually have to take it as the owner has said it. So when the scripture says that Christ was a son of God, and live alone just being the son of God, that he is the heir of everything and creator of everything, that's the power right there. Being a son. And for that reason is greater than angels, Hebrews 1.14. For that reason is greater than Moses who brought the law and the prophets, Hebrews 3, verse 5. For that reason he offered a better sacrifice because he was a better high priest, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 and verse 8. Number two, he is the mediator of a far better covenant with God based on better promises. Oh, what a lovely thing. So we are in a better covenant. Why is it better? It has eternal salvation. Oh, you can't lose your salvation, brothers and sisters. It is eternal because it is paid on the work of Christ, the Son of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 5.9 that he is, uh, Hebrews 7.22, that he is a guarantor of this covenant. A guarantor. My goodness. I know some of us who have guaranteed some people and they've taken loan right now we are worried about. But the Bible is saying that Christ is the guarantor. The eternal living God is the guarantor of this covenant. So he is superior. Christ's work perfected us and made our spirits righteous. That is Hebrews 12, 23. What else can I say? Every other work never perfected man. Every other prophecy never perfected man. But Christ's work has perfected your spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And your righteousness. So this, for me, I believe that three crucial, crucial things that form the basis and the foundation of why Christ is greater. All the riches of the world, all the prophets, 
of the old and the future. All angels and the priest, past and present, if there can be, they can never, could never, will never be equal to the accomplishments of Christ. And this is the first purpose of the book of, Epist of Hebrews. To elevate Christ, to exalt him, to lift him up, to make us see clearly who Christ is. Now the second purpose is and was to the Hebrew community of believers in Christ as it is to us today. Every time we read the scriptures, we are implored to understand what God has done, the effect or implication of what he has done to us and the entire world. But last and most important, what must we do in response? And that's why I began by saying that faith must have some attitudes. Faith must develop certain behavior. That is where we are today. I know maybe you are cheering when you say, grace, we are under grace. Yeah, hallelujah. Now, right now, I'm calling on you to understand that faith has certain behavior. Life under grace is a spiritual life lived by faith. It comes with directions on how to use. Ignoring instructions could lead to grievous harm. Amen. This is the only way I feel is the right way to approach the Bible. How does the work of Christ and his supremacy affect me today? Let us go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 to 29, our reading for today. Are you there yet? You who is at home? Hebrews 12, we're going to take from verse 12. The Bible says, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see God. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous fruit of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no, no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal. And you know that afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touched the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight of that as he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, are countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering, 
you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is a judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only the unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. That is the book of Hebrews that we are reading today. So in the light of who Christ is, what he has accomplished, the Bible from verse 12 is calling us out, but it's calling believers, was calling the Hebrew believers to certain disciplines. It was calling out to certain behavior, certain attitudes. Now I mentioned earlier that I was going to employ two disciplines. One of them is tightrope walking. Now we always marvel at people who do tightrope walking. A rope hanging between two buildings and someone is high up in the sky walking to cross it to the other side. Now sometimes through adulation as we continue sharing these people, we assume that they are not afraid. Let me break it to you. That if you had time to sit down and talk to them, they'll tell you. Number one, they know and they've taken stock. They know the consequences if anything went wrong. But one of the things they tell you is that in training, the first training you receive is how to focus your attention on an immovable object. Now, if your attention is focused on an immovable object, once you are able to distribute your weight to your feet and your hands, you will walk the rope. But if you pay attention to the noises coming from the people, you will fall. Now the Bible says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and its scorn. Now the Bible is calling us today in the same breath. From last week we've heard that discipline yourself, run this race, focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. That is the first Example. The second example I talked about is one of a boxer. One of the things you realize when you watch a boxing match is that every boxer has his corner. Now the corner is very much part of the boxing that is going on in the ring. Because what? They keep watching every step the boxer takes. 
they keep watching whether his hands are in guard position. Because if those hands fall from guard position, the corner throws in the towel. Because they know you will not survive the fight. Now the Bible says from verse 12, that's where we began. It says, so take a new grip with your tired hands. Strengthen your weakened knees. I'm assuming you have the picture of a boxer with me already. Now don't worry, I like moving around so I feel caged. So when you see me doing things around here, don't mind. Uh, I'm that way. But that's what the Bible is saying. Get a second grip. Strengthen your knees. Put the guard up. Continue jumping around. Don't relax. Because if you relax, you will fail. You will fall. Brothers and sisters, the writer of Hebrews is telling the Hebrew believers that though there is affliction, though there is the punches you're receiving from the world, he's saying, put up your guard. Don't put it down. This letter, brothers and sisters, serves that purpose to a believer. Now you realize if a boxer doesn't pick up those attitudes, the boxer is in trouble. You realize that a tightrope walker, if he doesn't pick up or she doesn't pick up the attitudes that I've talked about, then she or he is in trouble. One of the things I love about the Bible is that when you read the Bible, I like looking at it in this manner, myself. That every time I approach the scripture, I look at it in threefold manner. In that number one, we have already looked at what the Bible is saying. What does it mean? And how does that apply to me? In the same breath again, I say today, the letter is serving a warning, a challenge, and an encouragement to us as believers. So pay attention to these things. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 and the, close to the last verse Hebrews chapter 13 verse 22 give you the reason for why these believers are being warned. Both scriptures talk about paying attention to the words that are being spoken. Saying do not turn away from the instructions. Follow the instructions. When you go to both of those scriptures, they are telling you that. So this category refers to self, the community, and God. A believer has a responsibility to himself, to the body, the community, and to God. And that is how we should always look at the scripture. Your faith is not yours alone. There are other people whose destiny is tied up to your faith. But remember that faith, you received it from God for a purpose. To live for him and to serve him. I wish I would get an amen. So to serve, referring to the analogy of the boxer, we are called upon to summon our strength. We are called upon to resist every opposition. We are called upon to resist every temptation that may try to bait you out of the walk of faith. 
Now verse 12a says that even if you may stumble, the Bible says, may you rise up and get a grip. Hallelujah. Now I don't know the situation you are in, wherever you are. You could have fallen from faith. The Bible is calling you back to get a second grip. Number two, strive to be at peace with everyone. Amen. Observe the holy standards which, by which if you don't keep, you will not see God. Now let me submit to you that later on we are talking about two mountain peaks. Now one of the things about Mount Sinai is not that these people didn't see God, but the fact that they were too ashamed to face God, they didn't see it. Now, if you know you are not right, if you know you are sinful, if you know you don't meet the standard, it will be very hard for you to put yourself in harm's way. And that is how they approach Mount Sinai. In fact, they say, God, speak to that Moses. <laughs> Let him bring the information. <laughs> we are not ready for him. The third way it is possible that we can come to God in guilt, fear, and judgment. Referring again to Mount Sinai and Zion. One mountain is an effort of flesh. One is a spiritual one for those who are born of God. Jesus has mediated that we may approach our Father. The Bible says with confidence that we may obtain what? Grace. It is a mountain of fellowship. Hallelujah. Mount Zion is a mountain of fellowship, not condemnation. Hmm. Hallelujah. I know by now you realize that your salvation is not yours only. Amen? The Bible says in John 14, 23 to 24 that let your lifestyle please God. Amen? John 14, 23 to 24. Let your lifestyle please God. But that lifestyle is not only private. That lifestyle has a responsibility to the body. To the community. Hebrews 12, 13b. He says that we should live an example. He says when you strengthen and have a second grip. When your knees are strengthened. The Bible says that there are those who are following behind who are weak. Amen. So when they see you pull through. Hallelujah. They will also stand in faith. Amen. The whole reason for Hebrews chapter 11. Is to tell us that there are those who walked before us. And because they kept the faith, they fought the fight well. Today we can look unto them and be strengthened to go. And that's the same thing Paul is writing again. For us today, for the believers then, that remember, there are those who are following you. You must have the right attitude. Amen? Number two, look out for fellow believers in your fellowship and other groups. <laughs> do you look out for each other? Do you do visitations? Do you call just to know how they are doing? Probably Zoom is the best thing right now. Do you Zoom, all right, for them to be able to communicate? The Bible says that we must watch out for each other. Why? 
it is giving us a warning about who? Esau. So what did Esau do? Now, number one, the Bible says that he gave up his birthright. But I want you to realize that also the Bible refers to his foodious attitude or what do we call it? He was greedy. And the Bible likens that to immorality. Hmm. Amen? So what are you greedy for? <laughs> to immorality. But look at it this way. Why does the Bible despise his faith and his tears? It is simply because his tears were not meant for the father to bless him. His tears were meant to manipulate the father to bless him. Why do I say that? Because immediately the father says there is no blessing. He said he's going to kill his brother. So the intention of the tears was not repentance. He already knew he was going to kill his brother. But number two, look at it this way. When you go back there and read Genesis, I believe 26 and 27, you realize that immediately he rebelled. He had married the women that they were not meant to marry. Now in other words, he's trying to repent by marrying two others. Can you see the attitude? And that's why the Bible is saying we must check our attitude. What drives you in your belief? He says we must weed out every root of bitterness. Weed out every root of bitterness that may cause discord among believers. Hebrews 12, 15. Now you see, we only can tell the root by testing the fruit. The Bible says the fruit never lies. It tells you about the root because the root can be hidden. Can be hidden in there. Can be hidden. But when in the fellowship of believers we see certain tendencies, the Bible says move with speed because of care and root them out. Root them out. The third part is that don't forget that it is unto God that we have come. We must always have in mind that we enjoy certain privileges when we approach God, but those privileges must not be an excuse to dishonor God. What are these privileges? Number one, the Bible calls you a son. You are co-heir with Christ. You are a son of God. What an amazing thing. That if you are a son, Christ is an example. The Bible says that he is the perfecter and the author of the faith we have. So if he has perfected your faith, if he's made you righteous, he's made me righteous, then we should walk like he walked. Amen? That's the attitude that a son always has. It is not an attitude like the prodigal son's brother. Because his attitude was that he was an outsider. So he never lived like a son. He lived like a servant, an outsider. The second privilege is that you can worship God because he is your father. The third one is that you have an example to follow. Those who've walked before us, Hebrews 11. That's a privilege. The other one is that you are under grace. 
you have received what you don't deserve. The other privilege is that you have been empowered to be victorious by being filled by the Spirit of God. The enabler to live that holy life. The enabler to develop the right attitudes. The Bible says that remember whom much is given, much is expected. So God has invested in you more than he invested in the prophets of the old, in the priests of the old. So much is expected from us as believers. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 16 that God is holy and so we must be holy. Son doesn't look like you when you send him to bring water to you. Look at the way he walks in suspension. <laughs> my son read. Look at his ears, call him back, check his eyes, go to the mirror. But I want to tell you this. That the behavior of faith is not just in confessing or professing. I want to leave you with this statement. Faith never gives up. Faith never gives up. It's like for the shadow.